Welcome to this special ProPass webinar series. We have started a collaboration with ProPass Consortium and are publishing their webinars in podcast format so more people can benefit from their useful content. In short, ProPass is an international research collaboration platform of cohorts using Taiwan accelerometry to explore the effects of physical activity, posture, and sleep patterns on a wide range of health outcomes. Without further ado, let's jump to ProPass webinar. Welcome to the fifth uh, annual conference of uh, the Prospective Physical Activity Sitting and Sleep Consortium. I'm Manos Tamatakis, I'm the chair of the leadership group of ProPass, as we call it. And uh, I would like to say good morning if you're in Europe, good afternoon, good evening if you're in Australia or New Zealand. And thanks very much for staying up until so late or getting up so early if you happen to be anywhere in the Americas. I would like to start this event by paying my respects to one of the most influential scientists, physical activity scientist, Professor Stephen Blair, unfortunately passed away a few days ago. Professor Stephen Blair doesn't need any introductions. He has been a huge influence in the field of physical activity epidemiology. We owe him, to a large extent, we owe him the standing that physical activity field as a scientific discipline has, the inclusion and the standing of physical activity in public health and many, many other contributions. So I would like to take the opportunity to, to express my gratitude on the, for the legacy and the inspiration that Stephen Blair has offered to our field. As it is customary with these opening talks of our annual events, I will provide an overview of PROPAS, what it is. I believe that many of you have been to our previous events, but for those, for the benefit of those who are less familiar with our work, I would like to provide uh, an overview of the basic structure, who we are, what we are doing, and then I will provide, uh, I will set the scene for the two days. Our event this year is quite different in a way, and you may have noticed that we switched terminology from accelerometry. Now we're talking about wearables, and there's a good reason behind that. So PROPAS was set up in 2017 as a collaboration aimed at bringing lots of cohorts together, epidemiological prospective studies, to create a data resource, but a lot more than a data resource. So our ultimate scientific goal was to spearhead the way, to lead the way on the transition from questionnaire-based physical activity, central behavior, and sleep guidelines, physical behavioral guidelines, into device-based. So how we aim to do that, we approach and recruit cohorts, both retrospectively, meaning that we include cohorts that already have collected accelerometry data, uh, as well as uh, cohorts uh, that uh, have not collected accelerometry data, and we provide them with protocols, support, and anything they need so that they collect pre-harmonized data. Very, very important for consortia, the pre-harmonization solves many, many problems. We have systems and uh, work streams to harmonize and collaborations to harmonize this data, of course, as it is necessary in the case of any consortium and the following linkage with prospective outcomes. Another quite challenging step in the development of uh, PROPAS, considering how tight the regulatory environment, the data protection environment is becoming, to be able to share a unique resource with the rest of the research community 
And we are trying to do this in the most secure way, the most way that's compatible with our times, with the, with the climate, the data sharing climate of our times, which is remote access via a federated infrastructure, which we are building right now as we are speaking. So what is going to be then product? What it is then product of our efforts, because we have already uh, produced, uh, scientifically produced a data resource. It's going to be a data resource which will contain very fine grain, very high resolution information on physical behavior, physical activity, posture, and sleep, prospectively linked with health outcomes, in particular non-communicable disease, cardiovascular disease, cancer is a new focus of PROPAS. We're placing some, some very strong efforts to expand in the cancer area in recent years and we will have and accessed remotely. And this is going to be a resource which will be available to the, to the global research community. Of course, this is one of the many things we're doing. This is not the data resource is one aspect of uh, PROPAS. To be able to do harmonization, to be able to extract uh, very fine-grained information from the devices, we need to do a lot of background work, algorithm development. We are doing all this and if you uh, stay with us for the couple of days, you will see the range, you will be able to witness firsthand the whole range of ProPass's work. So at the moment we have, in terms of uh, the cohorts, I'm not going to go through them one by one because we simply have uh, too many. We have engaged with over 20 studies. We have included over 20 studies. Nearly 20 have signed a memorandum of understanding and are at various stages of integration, harmonization, integration, linkage, in us. There are, of course, some, the dots here, the numbers correspond to specific studies in the slide you can see, and we have some areas, some geographic areas around the globe that we haven't expanded yet. So it's very, very important. We're placing huge efforts, both on the lower and middle income countries front, but in general, they are in the Americas for various reasons. Uh, we have not been able to expand. We have a session on the expansion of PROPAS, geographical expansion, to be more representative of the whole world in a few, in a couple of hours, a couple of sessions time from now. So you will be able to see which ones are most recent cohorts, as well as their motives. And, and there will be also a discussion around the challenges involved in joining PROPAS, the opportunities, and, and in a couple of hour sessions. So an introduction about wearables. So I've already mentioned that we have switched from the terminology from accelerometry to now this is a space that is moving with tremendous speed in the, in the, on the global front. And I'm not talking about research wearables only, I'm talking about wearables in general. The main reason why we decided to switch the terminology and perhaps wearables will become the standard terminology in uh, ProPass in the years to come is simply because we do not believe that a device with a single accelerometric sensor will be the standard device to be used in cohorts for very long. This is the standard right now. And there are many different types of wearables. Some of them have been used in research. Some of them have been used only in consumer devices. Some of them have not been used at all. They're more conceptual and experimental. But I would like to, to take the opportunity here to provide a very broad overview of what are wearables and what they are doing in the health, in the health uh, area, in the health space uh, in particular. 
So we have devices that can do diagnosis. There are medical grade devices, wearables that can do diagnosis, monitor vi the vital signs. There are several blood pressure, dedicated blood pressure cuffless wrist monitors, for example, in the market right now, FDA approved, TGA approved. And the more classical applications of wearables like motivational tools assist the community, people in the community, consumers to set their behavioral goals, improve their sleep, physical activity, sit less. And of course, last but not the least, the function of wearables that uh, are most relevant to Propass, which is to observe human behavior, to observe physical activity, uh, posture and sleep, to be able to record uh, uh, human behavior in the least obtrusive way. And we see now, what we see in the last uh, few years is that the crossover of applications, so consumer wearables are being used for early diagnosis of atrial fibrillation, for example. Apple devices, Fitbit devices have all FDA uh, approval, and we see some very high-profile publications already in that space. So if we were to compare head-to-head, research-grade wearables and consumer-grade wearables, I think the very first observation one could make is how technologically advanced advanced are the consumer-grade wearables in comparison with the research-grade wearables. As of 2023, there are still many new cohorts, and to some extent, we recommend such devices for propass cohorts that feature a single triaxial accelerometer. The reasons behind this chasm, this gap, I think they are quite obvious. I'm not going to go into depth. There are commercial reasons, there are scientific reasons, reasons relating to how, what the, how slow the cycle of scientific research is in relation to the cycle of the consumer development product, which does not rely on ethics or external funding. So consumer-grade manufacturers can move very, very fast. But I think that this gap, this very large current gap, won't be uh, there for very long. And we already seen the first signs of that. Last year, a year ago, we saw what I believe is the very first study, epidemiological cohort study published in a major journal that used consumer-grade wearable Fitbit devices to assess the associations between physical activity parameter stepping and uh, long-term prospective outcomes. Now, in research studies, we still measure one week and one week snapshot of people's physical activity, physical behavior, physical activity, central behavior, and sleep. The obvious advantage of using consumer wearables is the length of time. Here we're talking about in this study, in the Nature Medicine study, median monitor period four years. Compare that with one week. So there are clear advantages. And I truly believe that in the years to come, we will see more and more and more integration and more applications of, of consumer wearables and more use in what we call tradition, traditional epidemiological research, the kind of research that Propass is supporting. So at the very core of the science we're doing is the placement of the wearable, the placement of the accelerometers. And in 2017, when we set up Propass, we made a conscious and calculated decision to focus on thigh placement. Uh, the reasons were, in a nutshell, were that we thought that tie placement provides the richest information compared to any other placements, in particular compared to uh, waist, which is kind of the previous generation accelerometry. 
we made the decision now, as of last year, we made the decision to transition and expand to risk accelerometry cohorts. And as you can imagine, this will have tremendous implications for the size of Propass, for the kind of work we will be able to, to do and the depth of the work we will be able to do. More on this, on a dedicated session, I won't uh, give you any more spoilers because we have a dedicated session. Tomorrow we start the, we kick off the conference with, with a session on the expansion of Propass to wrist accelerometry cohorts and the technicalities and the technical challenges, of course, that come with it. So tomorrow is more dedicated to the future. It's more about the future than the present of accelerometry and wearables. So I would encourage you, we have a, a, a very strong set of presentations, a keynote from Fitbit uh, and uh, a very exciting uh, panel discussion at the very end. So please uh, stick around until the end of the event uh, tomorrow. So the next session, uh, before I go, before I hand it over to uh, Andy, who will chair the first uh, session, I would like to highlight that uh, we have, uh, the next session will be about showcasing some key output from uh, Propass. And I would like to take the opportunity to share one of those three presentations, Joe's presentations, presentation, which is the very first the very first hypothesis driven, the very first research paper that comes from Propass. So this was accepted by the European Heart Journal. Uh, we believe that it will be published sometime in the next few weeks. And as you can imagine, this paper certainly will be a very large landmark in the history of Propass. It is a cross-sectional paper as it happens, and I think that's very indicative of the horsepower within Propass and the potential of this resource we've been building in the last six to seven years with the participation of the very large part of the research community. We're very grateful. Over a hundred people have been involved in the development of Propass until now. So this, is, this, is, this paper is a very huge celebration of what Propass stands for, how we have been embraced by the research community, and in particular, how uh, we have benefited from providing leadership opportunities to early career people. I would like to highlight here a few. The slide would, wouldn't be large enough to include each and every ECR who has contributed to Propass until now. I would like to take the opportunity to highlight the contributions of some people who joined Propass pretty much from inception, 2018-19. Andy Atkin has been leading the masterfully leading the harmonization part of Propass. Uh, and without Andy's work, uh, perhaps the European Heart General publication wouldn't have uh, happened because we relied on, we had to harmonize not only the accelerometry data, but the questionnaire data as well. And that, that was not a small task. In-house postdocs, Joe Blodget, the first author of the paper and responsible for very, very large number of things within Propass. And Dr. Matthew Ahmad, Joe is based at UCL in London, and Matthew is based with us in Sydney. You will be hearing from both of them today. Uh, Vegar has been uh, leading the expansion of uh, Propass, as well as contributions that were shorter in time, but also very, very important from Peter Johans Passan Hati Rachi from University of Uppsala, who led the development of Actipass, our software, uh, Borja Del Pozo Cruz, who is assisting, who's supporting also the expansion of Propass. He joined a bit more recently. 
And Sarah Steiner, our new project manager, we're extremely fortunate to have Sarah. She joined in March this year, and she's already making a difference. And last but not the least, I would like to, I have highlighted Richard Palsford from the University of Exeter. Richard is perhaps the hero of this event. He was, uh, he is the chair of the scientific uh, committee for the conference, the conference scientific committee. And uh, I would like to express my gratitude to Richard for the amazing work he's done to uh, set up uh, this event in such a meticulous and thorough way. And I have no doubt that this will be by far our best conference today. So thank you very much for joining us again. Uh, please enjoy the event. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.